Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Good to have you. I told our staff, like, yeah, not many people are going to show up because it's a holiday weekend and uh, you guys are here. So thank you for joining us on this uh, holiday weekend. Thanks for being a part of the journey, uh, especially if you're in this place, but also all of our people that are online. Thank you for joining us this morning, too. Hey, last week we uh, started a brand new series called Do Small Things, as Vanessa was just talking about. And uh, the, the theme for last week was Make Your Bed. And so I gave you a challenge, right? I gave you a couple of challenges, and my number one challenge was this week from Monday till this morning, I want to see if you can make your, your bed every single day. So how many of you made that happen this week? All right, well, not very many of you. Wow. Not coming to your house. Okay, so those of you that, that raise your hands, how many of you, like this is the first time in maybe years or decades that you've made your bed all week. Anybody kind of fall into that that's going to say, hey, that was me? Oh, come on. Somebody's got to raise their hand tell the truth here. All right, first service, there was a bunch of people. All right, now, and if you're here for the first time, you're probably like, this is weird. Why are they talking about making their bed? It's not the church I, I thought I was showing up for. Well, we're talking about the, the power of habits, right? We're talking about how habits are so important. And one of the habits that as a church, as a follower of Christ, or somebody who's trying to figure out this Jesus thing, that reading scripture is an important part of this. In fact, data and research shows that if we spend four or more times per week reading the Bible, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. It transforms us. And so we were talking about making your bed was a discipline, a habit we should be in. We said, hey, what's even more important than that is to spend time reading scripture. And so we invited you to do that and said, hey, you know, if you want to figure that out for yourself, that's, that's great. Um, but we also invited you to join us as a church to go through this particular Bible reading plan called Core 52. Uh, it's 52 weeks. Every week we just focus on one verse. It's all written out. Uh, this past week, many of you that are part of, of this, you've already done this for the week. We're on to the second, uh, second chapter this week. And so if you haven't jumped in and you want to jump in, we'd love to have you do this. Uh, you can stop by the table out in the lobby uh, as we get finished today, there are more books for sale. I think there are still some books there. Ten bucks for a book, so it's, it's cheap. It just covers the cost of this. I think yesterday, at this same time yesterday, we had 80 people who were part of that. And so if you want to jump in, we'd love for you to do that. But they can answer any questions that, that you may have out there in the lobby. But this week, we're not going to talk about making your bed. Okay, we're going to that next little symbol there, the old school telephone that... Uh, some of you wouldn't even know how to use if we stuck it in front of you, right? But here's the deal. Our topic for the day is call your mom. Call your mom. And I was trying to think, what are some good reasons that we should call our moms? And so I kind of did a little research, and uh, I found some good reasons to do this. I got a top five list I want to share with you. Here, here we go. Reasons to call your mom. Number five, she'll congratulate you just for getting out of bed. Make sure you make your bed, but she will congratulate you for that. Number four, she gave you all of that petty cash the last time you were home. Anybody ever had a mom like shake your hand? Like, why are you shaking my hand? That's weird. And she throws a $100 bill or something in there. Number three, that hasn't actually happened to me. I just probably happened to you guys. That's not my mom. Number three, she's the only one who listens to you talk about yourself for 30 minutes straight. True, right? This is probably my favorite one, number two. She takes forever to text you back. How many of you had that problem with your parents? Like you text them and they're like, you never communicate. I'm like, I communicate with you all the time. You just never respond. All right. Calling's quicker. quicker. And here's the last one. You call your mom to tell her you love her, right? 
to tell her you love her. You're probably asking yourself, like, what does calling your mom have to do with these small things that we're talking about in this series? Well, today we're talking about the importance of healthy communication. And many times when I, when I think about moms, I think moms are really good at healthy communication. Now, now let me just stop for a second and say, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some in here that you have a tense relationship with your mom. Maybe communication is really hard with, with your mom. And, and so I, I respect that. Uh, and I'm not saying everybody's got great communication with their, their mom, but, but when, I, when I think about a mom and, and sort of the expectations of a mom, and, and I also think about what many of us have experienced, moms are just... They're so much better often at communication than we dads are. Moms just have this knack for giving us the right encouraging words when we need it. Or, or expressing unconditional love to us through, through her words. Or, and sometimes it's not even through her words, it's just her presence and, and, and what she does. that We just know that love is there. There's the questions that she asks us. There's the advice that she gives. And again, just something about a mom that, that seems they have this ability to, to communicate with us in healthy, healthy ways. But here's the deal. Our topic today isn't about your relationship with your mom, okay? We're, we're going to take that idea of this healthy communication, and we're going to look at it beyond that. We're going to look at this as it comes into the relationships that we have with other people. Because in relationships, it's so important that we communicate. But here's what I would tell you about relationships. In all my years of ministry, the biggest issue I find in relationships is the lack of communication. Like, overarching. There may be some other little problems that pop up, but communication is one of the, the hardest things for people to do. Why do so many marriages struggle? Communication. Why, why do parents, as their kids get older, why do they struggle when they're talking to their kids and the relationship they have with the kids? Well, a lot of times it's communication. Why do you have a hard time at work I bet you 99% of the time, it boils down to communication. And so if you think about all the tensions and struggles and problems and issues that you face in the relationships you have, and this is true for me too, I bet you it's all about communication. Because we're not very good at communicating. I love what the journalist and cartoonist Ken Hubbard once said. He says, don't knock the weather. Nine-tenths of the people couldn't start a conversation if it didn't change once in a while, right? Think about it. You go to a party. What do you say to people? Hey, what's your name? What do you do? Where are you from? How long have you been here? Then you're done. How's the weather of the day? You know, what do you think about the weather? That's kind of the, the, the mode that we go into because we don't know how to communicate in healthy ways with other people. And so we go to the, the weather conversation because that's sort of a safe place for us. But I believe, especially if we're a follower of Christ, we're called to have healthy communication with people that we have relationships with. Because there's power behind that. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul writes, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Paul writes these words here. And I see that as like he says, your communication skills are so important. If you are a follower of Christ, you being able to communicate with someone else has the power to influence their lives for now and even for eternity. 
And the better that we are at this, the more opportunities it opens up to us to speak into the lives of others. But how do we get there? How do we get better at communicating with other people? Well, let me let you know that today's topic is very practical, okay? So if you're a practical person, you're absolutely going to love today. And if you're more of like, I need theology, here's the deal. Even people that have a lot of knowledge about the Bible theology need to learn how to be better communicators, all right? There's something to that. And so I think this is very practical for all of us. But, but let's start here. Relationships are all about communication. Everybody in this room, you have a relationship with someone else at work, at home, uh, your pickleball club, your, your church, your friendships. All of us, we have relationships with other people. But we sometimes forget that we are created to be in relationship with others. We go back to the book of Genesis. God creates and, uh, and God creates everything, and at the end, he, he creates this man. He creates Adam, and, and he looks around, and he's like, something's kind of missing here for Adam. And so what does God do? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So what does God do? God says, all right, I, I need to make this helper for Adam, and God makes woman, he makes Eve, and as he makes Adam and Eve together, what do we have? We have this, this moment where we find they are in relationship with each other, which means you and I, we are created to be in relationship with others. Darcy Sterling, clinical social worker, said every relationship requires communication, and the quality of that communication is a predictor of how fulfilling the relationship is for both people. Again, we are created to be in relationships, and if we're created to be in relationships, that means we have to communicate with the people that we're in relationship with. So what is communication? Here's a great definition of it. Communication is the giving and receiving of messages between people. So that means everything that, that I, I say to someone that I'm in a relationship with and, and the actions I take in front of them, that, that speaks to them, right? That's me giving a message to them. But then everything that they are giving back to me is me receiving their message from, from whatever they're trying to communicate with me. Now, if you remember back to college, you, you had interpersonal communication class probably, right? And that was a great fun class to take. And, and in that, you talked about the different kinds of communication. Like we have verbal communication, the, the words that we speak, um, the tone of the voice when we're speaking those words. In, in today's culture, it's, it's what we type on our phones. It's, not, it's a text message. It's an email we send. It's the things that we post on social media. All those things are, are verbal in nature, right? And so we, we speak by, by what we say, but we also speak non-verbally. We, we speak as we're listening through our, our, our facial expressions or kind of how we're posture is as, as this other person is in this conversation with us. We, we speak verbally and non-verbally to other people. So that means we're always communicating with others. But if we struggle with communication, what does healthy communication look like? And so I want to start with, with this uh, point because I, I think this is something that is so important. Healthy communication begins with listening. Last week we 
talked a bit again about the importance of reading scripture. And I said, hey, when people ask me, you know, where, where should I start if I want to read the Bible? And I, I tell people James. James is great. Uh, James is known as wisdom literature. Uh, wisdom literature means it's practical. And so if you look through the book of James, you read the book of James, there's so many practical points in there. And so again, highly recommend you read James. But, but I love what James says in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. What's he start with here? He says, be quick to listen. This is 26 years of ministry for me in full-time ministry. And as I, I think back to those 26 years, here's what I would tell you about people. People are terrible listeners. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. People are terrible listeners. You know what we're good at? Talking. We love to talk. And what do we love to talk about? We love to talk about ourselves. We talk about work. We talk about our family. Again, we talk about our pickleball club. I like pickleball, by the way. I'm not picking on pickleball. I like pickleball. But we talk about that, and we, we talk about everything that we can think of that's all connected to us. We love to talk, but we don't like to listen, which is really opposite of what James says here, right? James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak, and we are quick to speak and slow to listen. And healthy communication begins when we listen first. Probably never gonna th ever thought you'd hear this before, but I, I got a quote from the Dalai Lama uh, here in but it's what, what he says is so good. When you talk, you're only repeating what you already know. But if you listen, you may learn something new. When we talk, we're just sharing the information that we already know about ourselves. But if we listen, we can learn so much from the communication we have with people in our lives. And so that's why it's so important that healthy communication begins with listening. And so since we're not very good at listening, we are terrible listeners, let me share with you some uh, ways that we can be better at listening. The first thing I would say is great listeners learn to hear selectively. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, yep, I know some people that listen to me selectively. And they're sitting beside me right now, okay? This is a safe place. Here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and elbow them. Get it out of the way. You're feeling it, right? Just go ahead and get that out of the way. And, and that way, safe place to do that. But, th but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as, as we listen to people, we are hearing selectively what, what they are saying. We, we are looking for cues and clues and insights to this dialogue that we're having with them. Maybe sometimes it's the direct words we hear, but, but oftentimes it's some passive statement that they say that, that we've got to hold on to. Or, or it could be the, the way that they're holding their self, themselves in, in this, this conversation. Uh, uh, their posture is off. You can, you can tell they're kind of hesitant to, to say something. There, there are cues that are there that tell us, hey, there's, there's a lot more going on than what we're hearing from them in this moment. And so we've got to be open to listening to what they have to say. This isn't about our agenda, by the way. Again, we're great talkers and terrible listeners. And so we get into a conversation in this relationship we have, and we start giving people our agenda. This is what I want to talk about. Yeah, maybe I'll listen to you for about a minute, but I've got 29 minutes of stuff I need to share with you. That's not how we become great listeners. Great listeners learn to hear selectively. Now, 
How can we hear selectively? I believe that leads us to the next one. Great listeners ask questions. You want to listen well? Ask questions. Uh, Be slow in what you say, but sometimes in that response, what we're really doing is asking questions of that other person. Proverbs 27, 9, the writer says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. The word counsel that we find here in Proverbs, it actually means advice. It means advice. Uh, What does a good advisor do? A good advisor asks questions, right? A good advisor doesn't say, here's everything you need to do. A good advisor says, hey, let's sit down and let's let's talk through this. Let me ask you some questions. And so as I kind of think about this, I think about counselors. I've shared with you before, I'm not afraid to say it, every other week I go see a counselor every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. with our partners at Safe Harbor. It's great for me. And uh, Sarah's my counselor. She's wonderful at it. And here's why she's wonderful at it. And I, I get it. She gets paid to do this. And she's been trained to do this. But I can sit there and just throw up all this stuff at her, just like blah, 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 blah. And she'll listen, and then she'll stop and say, hey, can you, can you give me a little more detail here? Or, or, or can you kind of tell me what you were feeling when, when that happened? And she's amazing at asking these questions. Why? Because... She's an advisor. She's a, she's a counselor. And you know what those questions do? They get me thinking. Because I'm listening. I, I know she's listening to me, and I, I'm listening to these questions, and I'm answering these questions. And you know what she rarely does? It says, hey, Chad, here's exactly what you need to do. She asks me those questions, and as I answer them in my mind, I'm like, oh, now, now I see these steps that I need to take. It's like coaching. Maybe you do coaching where you work, or you've got a life coach or a work coach or a mentor And really good ones, they don't tell you what to do. What do they do? They ask you questions and they listen to the answers that you give. So important that we have someone in our life like that and so that we we can be that for other people. Great listeners ask questions. But then I would say that great listeners seek to understand. If we're going to talk about communication, we got to talk about conflict. Uh, conflict is a part of relationships. Conflict is a part of, of communication. Uh, we all experience conflict in the relationships that we have. But do we know what lies beneath the surface of that conflict? Because so often when there's conflict in a relationship with someone else, There's actually something going on that's a little bit deeper below the surface. Because in in this conversation you're having, you might be asking yourself, why why are they responding in this way? Why are they saying this? Why are they making this such a big deal? I I don't quite understand. Well, many times there's something going on that's so deep inside of them that they've just never told you that before. And that, that conflict that you have in that relationship is coming from that place. So much of what we communicate to other people, and they communicate with us, they come from their deeper hopes and hurts that are there. Our kids are a little bit older now, but uh, when they were in elementary school and, and middle school, they, they come home and they share these stories about some of the kids that were in school and the things they were doing and how they were acting up and they were causing the, the teacher problems. And, and maybe there was some conflict with, with our kids themselves. And as, as we listened, it's like, okay, yeah, this isn't anything we need to go deal with. Um, we, we would listen, and then we'd say, hey, hey, what do you, what do you know uh, about that kid, that child? 
And parents, let me tell you this. Your kids in school basically know everything about another kid's personal life and their family, right? They do. And you know what's so funny? Our kids would tell us exactly what was going on. Hey, you know what? Their, their parents are going through a divorce right now. Hey, oh, yeah, her, her mom just, just lost her, her job. Oh, yeah, they, they've got to move out of their house for some reason and, and move away here in the next couple of weeks. And so you know what that opened up? That opened up these incredible conversations that we can have with our kids, and we could say, so, so why do you think that they are acting out in, in school in the way that they are? Why do, why do you think they're, they're saying or doing these things around you? What do you think is going on? And we talk to our kids. Kids are smart. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so it gave us an opportunity to go to our kids and say, hey, yeah, I, I see what's going on, and you probably should tell your teacher that, but you can also be kind, and you can be compassionate because there's something deeper that's happening inside of them. And, of course, that's also true for us as adults. That when we are in communication with other people, and maybe when there's that conflict there, it's helpful to understand there could be something deeper going on inside. That's why I love, again, what James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because when we don't quite understand where somebody's coming from, what do we do? We tend to get angry. We tend to go in that direction first. And so there's this, this phrase that I learned uh, in counseling uh, with Kara uh, a few years back. And because um, we went to counseling, because Kara's like, hey, I think we probably should go to counseling together. I was like, no, we really don't need She's like, no, we do. So we went. And, uh, and part of it was communication, right? She's like, we just need to learn how to communicate better. And, and through that, there was this phrase that our counselor used that has become my go-to phrase in, in my own life. Uh, the counselor said... What you need to ask is help me understand. That when you're in this conversation with someone else and, and you're not sure what's going on and maybe there's that conflict that's there or, or you're not able to see eye to eye or, or you're trying to figure out where this other person's coming from, that you ask that question, help me understand. Help me understand why you said that. Help me understand why you did that. I, I know that you said this. Can you help me understand what you're saying when, when you when you put those details out there in, in front of me. That phrase is so powerful. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, it lets the other person know you're listening to them. Because if you say, help me understand, you're saying, help me understand this one particular thing you just said. So you are, you are listening selectively to what they're saying, and you want to know more. It shows that, that you're listening, but it also helps to bring clarity into the conversation. You're not jumping to assumptions. You're not jumping to conclusions. And what do you and I like to do? We like to jump to assumptions. We like to come to these, these conclusions on our own just from one thing someone may say. And instead of trying to get clarity in the situation, we kind of become the fool in this, right? We, we become a, a bigger part of, of the problem in this relationship. And so just asking that easy little phrase, help me understand, can help us be better at hearing and listening and finding out where people are coming from. Proverbs 18.2, 18, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Listening is about understanding, 
not only about our own agenda or opinions. And so great listeners seek to understand. But then here's the other thing I would say is that great listeners are not distracted. A few years back, I worked at a church, and um, the lead pastor and I would uh, get together about every two weeks to do a little coaching session. And uh, we sat down in his office, and um, I I sat in one of the really uncomfortable chairs he had, and then he sat behind his his desk for this conversation. Let me just kind of stop and say, unless you're afraid of the conversation you're going to have, like get away from the desk. Like that's a distraction in this converse, the, 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 this, this relationship you have. I literally, my, my desk is up against the wall for that purpose so that I can't use it as a barrier between me and whoever I'm talking to. Um, get out from behind the desk. That's, that's a distraction, right? That's the barrier that's there. So he was set behind his desk and then he had his laptop out. And, uh, and he'd ask me a question or two and he'd sit there and listen. And the next thing I know, He's over there typing on his laptop. Now, you guys know those people who type really loud on their laptops? You're like, that poor computer. What's, I feel bad for those keys. They're just getting nailed right now. But, um, but he would do that. And, and, and granted, if he was taking notes, that was one thing. But I know he wasn't. Because he'd say, hey, I, there's an email. I got to respond to this email right now. And, so it, and it, was, it was terrible. I'm thinking to myself, this isn't good for you. This isn't good for me. And oh, by the way, I'm getting angry because this is a waste of my time and you're not even paying attention. But great listeners are not distracted. And so when you're in this conversation with someone, and by the way, it doesn't matter if there's a conflict or not, just in this interaction with people and the relationships we have, get rid of the distractions. Put your phone away. Put it away. Take your laptop and close it. Now, sometimes I'm meeting with staff, and I'll tell them, hey, look, I've got my laptop out, but I'm taking notes from what we're doing. I'm not checking email or not doing anything else, and I learned that from my past experience. But, but close your laptop if you have to. Here's the other thing. Your haptic on your, uh, on your smartwatch, and you, you've got teenage kids. They're hitting you up all the time, usually for money, but they're hitting you up all the time. And you know what? Ignore it. They're going to be all right. Unless they do the 911 or whatever it is for you and your family, you know, ours is like X or something, and we're like, okay, we got to deal with this. Just let it go. They'll, they'll, you'll see them later on in the day. Uh, there's something about these distractions. We've just got to let go so that we can fully be engaged in these relationships that we have. And being engaged means we are great listeners and we're not distracted. We need to learn to be better listeners because you and I, we're not very good at it. We're great talkers. We're not great listeners. But, but I want to leave you with this, I think the main point of this message. Healthy communication is bathed in love. What does James say? You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And too many times, like I said just a moment ago, We're really quick to anger. We're slow to listen. We're quick to speak. And we're quick to anger, which kills relationships, which breaks apart marriages, which ends friendships, and sometimes can end your job because we jump to anger so quickly. With the writer in Proverbs writes in chapter 30, verse 33, as the beating of cream yields butter and striking the nose causes bleed. I'm thinking, how did you put those two together for this one, right? <laughs> like, that's a weird kind of thing. But anyway, it's, it's, 
It makes sense, right? We get it. So stirring up anger causes quarrels. I truly believe if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to to have healthy relationships and healthy communication with other people and not just other followers of Christ. For anybody that's in your life. And that doesn't begin when we are angry. It begins when we are full of love. I love what Peter Scazzaro writes in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leaders. He says, emotional maturity really boils down to one thing, love. So if you're critical, defensive, touchy, unapproachable, insecure, telltale signs of emotional immaturity, you can't be spiritually mature. Doesn't matter how anointed you are or how much Bible knowledge you have, Love is that indispensable mark of maturity. Love is that indispensable mark of maturity. Some of us think we're spiritually mature or we're emotionally mature, but but as we read this here, he says, hey, if you don't have love, you can't be. The power behind love is, is so big. That when that is who we are, when we are living that out, it changes the relationships that we have with others. And it can bring about that healthy communication that I think is so important for each one of us. Talks about love. What does that love look like? Um, Paul writes this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter. And If you've ever been to a wedding before, you're probably very familiar with this being read. Paul wasn't one day sitting around like, hey, I really want to talk about weddings and what love is like for weddings. So he writes out, this is for weddings. That's not what he did, right? He wasn't, I don't think he was thinking about that at all. He was thinking about love, like how do we love other people? So he he writes this, this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that is all about what love looks like, specifically what love looks like if you follow Jesus. And he he writes these words, again, words you're familiar with. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I see those words there about love, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what love looks like. And, and then I think about the relationships that we have with other people, and I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's what love looks like in the relationships we have with others. And then I think about healthy communication, and I think to myself, yeah, that's, that's what that kind of love looks like when I'm communicating with other people in my life. Now, the world doesn't tell us to do that. The world says, you, you fight for you. You, you. you share your agenda. Everybody needs to know what your agenda is. Don't worry about anybody else. But when we look at Scripture, I don't think that's what it teaches us. I think it says, hey, you want to you wanna be a follower of Christ? You have to be a person full of love. 
You, you have to learn to love others. That even when there's that, con- that conflict is present, you've still got that love deep down. That your automatic go-to is not anger, it's love. And when you love, you will listen. And when you listen, God can use you in amazing ways. Go back to what Paul shared in Colossians. We read this at the very beginning. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I know Paul is talking about, hey, if you're a follower of Christ and you, you are able to have this healthy communication, God can use that to influence the lives of others to let them know who Jesus is. But, but I also believe it's talking about, hey, you, you're going to have an opportunity. When you're full of this love and you listen and you're in this relationship, you have the opportunity just to be there for people in those tough times, in those hard times. Because of who you are, God can use you to change somebody's life. And it's all about that healthy communication. As we think about this topic today, first thing I would say, hey, call your mom this week, all right? You got a week to do it. Take time to call your mom. Uh, but then the other thing I would say, I believe God wants us to be better listeners. And so my challenge for us as we go into this new week is just to do this small thing. I, I know it's big, but it's actually a small thing. It's just this week, take time to listen and listen with love.